Riley, how are you? Excited to be hanging out with you guys across the state tonight. I'm gonna keep this short, sharp, and sweet. My goal is to share really quick with you a quick thought uh, before we dive into our group discussion tonight. So first and foremost, if this is your first time at Rally tonight, we wanna make you feel so welcome. We're so grateful that you'll be here hanging out with me. My name is Josh Bull. I get to be a part of the team here at Rally. Rally's a family all across the state. Uh, and the goal of tonight is to get people into community. And this whole month, we've been talking about as a community, uh, this idea of, of living our adult life and what is a life well lived. And we have careers and we have calling and we've got to steward our, our finances well and really just kind of wrestling through practically living this life of following Jesus in the world that we find ourselves in. And so tonight, what I want to do is kind of really wrestle through this question that I think so many of us ask. This question of what on earth am I going to do with my life? Have you ever thought that? Just like wondering about what's your future going to look like? Where are you going to live? How are you going to spend your time, your money, your energy? What on earth am I going to do with my life? I, I, I still, I've lived a bit, little bit of life, but I still catch myself wondering, man, like what's my future going to look like? What, what am I going to do? I don't necessarily have all the answers. But I've lived long enough to, to find this to be true, that if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, everything takes care of itself. Now, that's a nice, simple thing to say. But what I want to do is kind of look at uh, the scriptures for a few moments and then pull out some simple biblical wisdom that I believe could uh, encourage us as we have conversations around wrestling through like, what on earth am I going to do with my life? So uh, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to be looking at the story of Joseph. Now, I want you to kind of hit pause for a moment. Think you, you might have heard the story many a time before, growing up in kids' church and, and you know the story. Uh, but I want you to feel like this is a fresh time you've heard the story of Joseph. What I want to do is kind of take a 30,000 foot view of the life of Joseph, kind of tell you and narrate a little bit of his journey of life, and then pull out three observations about his life that hopefully can encourage us uh, as we come around this question of what on earth am I going to do with my life? So uh, if you got your Bibles, in Genesis 37, pretty much through to Genesis 50 is the whole story of Joseph. All right, so you can go home, study, uh, read up on the whole intricacies of the life of Joseph. There's so much gold in his story. But I want to kind of chronicle the life of Joseph quickly for you. Okay, here we go. Story time. You ready? Joseph was about 17 years old. One of the youngest brothers, he's got a, a bunch of older brothers and he's loved, and it, the scriptures are very clear, he's the favored child. He's loved by his father, Jacob. Now, he's 17 years old and he has these dreams about his future. So he goes and he starts telling these dreams to his family and his family like, man, get out of here because in essence, these dreams talk about him, his family bowing down to him. Like, kind of feels like an arrogant take, bro. Like, get this out of here. I don't want to hear it. But already the brothers had great envy and hatred towards Joseph because the love that he experienced from their father. So there's already tension in the family. And so the brothers eventually plot to kill their brother. Now, this is not just like a nice fairy tale story. Like, can you feel for the moment that day, Joseph comes up to his brothers and his brothers basically throw him in a pit and they plot to kill him. They plot to let him be killed can you imagine the betrayal, the heartache that Joseph would be feeling? He's there pleading with his brothers like, guys, why are you doing this? 
feel the pain that Joseph would have felt in that moment of betrayal of his family. Not only do they decide to let him be killed, leave him to be killed, but his, one of his brothers, Judah, says, hey, let's not just let him be left to be killed. Let's make a profit off him and sell him into slavery. So what we find is that Joseph, as a young teenage man, not only was betrayed by his family, has now been sold off to be a slave. I want you to picture in your mind that the betrayal, the heartache, that his family have just turned their back on him and have done the ultimate betrayal and put him into slavery. He's handcuffed and walking through the desert, trekking to Egypt. Could you imagine the thoughts that's running through his mind? Could you imagine the despair, the stress, the anxiety and worry that Joseph would have been feeling? He finds himself now in Egypt and we read in the scriptures that he was sold off to a man named Potiphar. Now Potiphar was a high leader in Egypt in the day and we read about in Genesis 39 and this is a scripture that I want to read to you. This is what it says when he has been sold into slavery and now Potiphar has purchased him. It says this, Genesis 39 verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did prosper in his hand. We read about in this scripture, I I love this little few verses, that God was with Joseph. If you're taking notes tonight, this I would say was the banner tombstone of Joseph's life that God was with Joseph. We'll pick up more of that thought in just a moment. But so Joseph finds himself in, in, in Potiphar's house and he ascends in, in, in integrity and in influence and he quickly gains a lot of respect uh, in the house of Potiphar with great responsibility. And he's probably thinking to his mind, man, this is kind of turning out a little bit better than I thought it would. Like he's favored, he's well respected. He, he just had found himself as a slave. Like, so this is a much better situation. Like he's well taken care of. So he's thinking, man, I was despised, not taken care of by my family. So this, this, this is much better. Well, uh, Potiphar's wife takes a fancy to Joseph and kind of looks at him one day and wants to get a little bit frisky and, and kind of get a bit funky with him. Uh, and you can fill in the blank, but basically she makes some moves on, jo- on Joseph. And Joseph is a man of character and integrity and says, man, I, I can't get down with this. Like, I ain't trying to get frisky with you. And he kind of runs out of the place. Well, Potiphar's wife makes an accusation at, about Joseph of, well, she, she can't get him, so she's like, I'm going to make life bad for him. So she goes and makes some accusations about Joseph of him approaching her. Potiphar gets angry and throws him into prison. Now, pause. You, you maybe have heard this story before, but think about this again. He's despised by his brothers, sold into slavery, finds himself in a little bit of a better situation. Now he's like rock bottom again, finding himself in a prison. Think about how he's feeling again, the, the sorrow, the heartache, the pain, the, the God, where are you? But a banner of his life was that God was with him. He, while he's in the prison, finds himself uh, again, gaining respect amongst the people there. And he's well, uh, got a great reputation. And now he's finding himself with, with a great degree of responsibility and influence in this prison. Well, one day he interprets the dreams of a couple men in the prison and the story fast forwards and ultimately he, they, they find, he finds himself in front of Pharaoh 
who's over all of Egypt. And this many years has gone by and he interprets the dreams of Pharaoh. Pharaoh then puts him in basically the second of command of all of Egypt when he's around 30 years old. And ultimately, Joseph will go on to lead through, through uh, great times of, of harvest for seven years. And, and he would make Egypt in a position of power and a storehouse and resource. Then famine would hit the land and, and people would be in heartache and trembling and, and Joseph still leading strong. And that's when we read about towards the end of Joseph's life, this restoration moment with Joseph's family from Egypt. Joseph's family, sorry, Joseph's family come to Egypt because they, they need food. And he finds himself face to face with his brothers, the ones who had betrayed him and hurt him. And ultimately there is family restoration takes place and he's reunited with his family. And it's through the life of Joseph that he's able to save his family. And he has this restoration moment with his brother Judah. And if we know who, who's the line of the tribe of Judah, Judah Jesus, Jesus' lineage traces back to Judah and there's restoration in the family. And that's my friends, the story of Joseph. Okay, great storytelling, Josh. Why, why bring this up? I think so often in our lives that we can think that life is just up and to the right, right? We have dreams as a young 17-year-old and it's like, man, I'm going to scale, scale the, the mountain and everything's going to be great. Uh, but then all of a sudden we find ourselves in difficult, suffering, hardship, and things are difficult. So how do you reconcile with seasons of life where there's difficulty, challenge, uh, maybe a bad doctor's report, maybe you find yourself in a job that you never wanted to be in? How do you reconcile these things in life, these circumstances that we find ourselves in and asking the question, what on earth am I going to do when the circumstances look difficult? I will plain and simply say, remember that God is with you. It's simple to say, but it's a revelation that's got to go deep in your heart, my friends. That God is with you in every season of life. When you're a young 17-year-old, when you're a 30-year-old with greater responsibility than you ever thought you could have been on, in your 20s in between, when you find yourself in a prison and you didn't think you were going to be there, God is with you. So you might have dreams and aspirations of your life to live a significant life, but could I say that a significant life is found through consistent obedience to Jesus. You may not have control around external circumstantial things that you're walking through, but would you say and put your yes on the table for Jesus, saying, I am going to be consistently following you, Jesus, no matter the circumstances that I find myself in. Three quick things about the life of Joseph that I think can springboard us into great conversation. And the first one is that Joseph was faithful in service. Joseph was faithful in service. I love that Joseph, whatever circumstance he found himself in, it's like he couldn't really care because he knew God was with him. So he got busy where he was at. Joseph found himself in circumstantial difficulty in a, in a, in a pit, traveling as a slave, finding himself in a prison. Every chapter of his life, he got busy in service. I would say to you that we live in a world that waits until one day to serve, but forget to serve today. Let that sink in for a moment that I, don't, I would pray that we would be marked as a community, just like Joseph, if he finds himself in a prison and he just starts serving where he's at. He starts serving where he's at and quickly builds reputation and respect in the circumstance that he's in 
And would that be a marker of our community? Maybe you have dreams and aspirations to lead a big business one day and do it for the glory of God. And I would say that's amazing. But how are you going today in your service? You might have a job right now. Do you get to your work on time? Or could I say even early? Or do you just get there late because you think, ah, this job's not really what I want to do with my life. I just want to get to my business that I'm going to run one day. How are you stewarding the things that are in your hands today? Maybe some of you want to... uh, lead maybe like a family uh, counseling service that you want to impact families. And I would say, man, you need to do that for the glory of God. But could I ask you, uh, are you making disciples right now in Fuse and in Kidspring? Are you serving the next generation right now, even though you have dreams and aspirations for the things to come in your life? I I think maybe if you're a young man who wants to or young man or young woman who wants to preach one day and you're like, man, if they could just put a microphone in my hand, like if they knew kind of the preaching power that I've got, I would say to you, do you have a vacuum in your hand before you get a microphone in your hand? It sounds a little bit cheesy, but is your posture in your life service? I think that's one of the key elements that we see of Joseph's life in every chapter of his life. He just said, I'm going to serve. The second thing that I see in Joseph's life is that he was faithful in relationships. Every chapter of life, he was a friend of all. He gained the respect and the reputation of someone of, of, of rapport and someone who people aspired to be like. He finds himself in a prison and quickly builds respect with the people around him and people value his feedback, his, his k- friendship. He finds himself in Potiphar's house and Potiphar quickly says, man, there's a guy that I can trust. He finds himself leading uh, highly in the nation of Egypt. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh says, man, that's a guy that I love. If, if, if your name appears on a phone to someone, uh, whether it's your boss, are they excited to answer the phone call? How's your reputation in the community right now? How's your reputation at your workplace? How's your reputation at your college? I just would pray that our community would be marked by saying these are people of high value and that's the kind of person that I want to be around. How is your relationships? Joseph's life was marked by someone that says, man, I want to be around you. Or when you are your face and phone, your name appears on the phone to people just like, man, that person just sucks the life from me. That person just is a gossip. That person, I can't trust them. How's your reputation in your relationships? Joseph was highly respected and highly valued. The third thing that I I love is as the story of Joseph goes on, and you can see it from the beginning, from when he's 17, from as the stories go on, that he was a man of character. Joseph was faithful in his character. We live in a world that promotes uh, gifting and charisma. You can make a reel on your Instagram and it go viral and all of a sudden you're a world expert on a certain topic, right? You can create a a life hack quick video and all of a sudden you're a life hack guru and you just made one funny video because you thought it was cool, right? We live in a world that gifting can take you really far and charisma can get you in the door, but I've just learned in life that maybe charisma and, and gifting can open a door for you, but character is the thing that will keep you in the room. We need to create a culture and could I say a generation that is marked by substance. 
that says, hey, uh, just like Joseph, when, when uh, Potiphar's wife comes after him and says, man, would you sleep with me? Would you, well, let's get frisky and funky. He says, no, I can't do that because he's a man of character. Joseph leads at, at the highest level as an older man from a place of character. He has divine revelation with God and intimacy and saying, God, you're with me. You, you've shaped and molded me over the years and I'm leading from a place of character. Could I say to you that the Christian life is not just an up and to the right situation? The Christian life is simply daily obedience to the following of Jesus. And circumstantially, things may not make sense to us, but I've just learned that I, when I look back on my life and certain seasons of my life, that I'm so grateful that God was shaping my character in obscurity, that God was developing me in hardship and suffering. I look back on uh, my grief journey with my mom, and I'm so grateful for what God has done in me through hardship. And I would say the same is true for you, my friends, that in your early years of your 20s, let that be a marker. Say, I am investing in my character and my substance because I believe that the dream that God gave me, maybe as a young man, is, is He's wanting to shape me now so that I can carry the responsibility in the future. If I were to go to the gym right now and try squat some crazy weight, you throw a number out there, I truthfully will probably struggle to do it because uh, I need to get back in the gym and, and squat and I'm not very good at squats because I'm six foot, six foot six. But I say this to say, if I daily got in the habit of squatting light and keep doing it over a period of time, I could keep lifting heavier weight. But if I today were to get under heavy weight and try squat, I'll probably break my back. I think God is using your 20s to develop your character, your substance, so that you can carry weight in the kingdom of God in the years to come. Would we be a community that says, man, I don't know what on earth I'm supposed to do with my life, but I'm committed to, man, I find myself in the position and the place that I am, that I want God you to shape and mold me. So whatever the dreams that I have for your kingdom, that when I'm 30 and when I'm 40, I look back on my 20s and I'm grateful for the development and the character that you molded in me. Joseph led from a place in his 40s that was shaped in his 20s. And we just got to be a little bit less impatient. I am the most impatient person, but I want for our community to, to understand, man, God, make me a person of substance. Do something in me, Jesus, that would ch transform me so that I can see my communities look different. So you might wonder, man, what on earth am I going to do with, with my life? And I don't have the answers for what tomorrow holds for you. But I do know that we should rejoice in today and bring it all the way back to, Jesus, I want to be consistent in following you. I don't want to just have nice gifting and talent, but I want when people look at me and say, man, there's a man that I can trust. There's a young woman who, who, who is marked by service. There's a young man who's marked by great relationships and great reputation. And there's a young man or a young woman who has great character. And I say all this to say that if, if we could understand that just like Joseph, that Jesus is inviting us into a daily relationship that with the marker of our life, man, the circumstances might change. There might be good moments, there might be challenging moments, but God, you're with me, so I'm going to follow you in this. 
And I pray that that would be a marker of our community, saying yes to Jesus daily, having an everyday relationship with Him and have a picture of what we want our life to look like in our 30s and in our 40s and using our 20s to shape and mold us for that. So get busy in service today and let's believe that God would move mightily across the state. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for our rally. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for the life of Joseph, that we can look at it. And would we be known for our service, for our relationships and for our character? And and if we want to do significant things for you, God, the ticket to that is consistent today in following you. So help us in that. Give us your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.